Good morning. I'm glad to be here with you this morning. I was uh, talking to a friend, Dwayne Johnson, about a month ago. We were kind of doing some mourning in the spirit for some folks, just praying, talking about faith. And I'm going to move these because I move a little bit and I don't want to knock them over. Anyway, we were talking about faith and, and the way that the way that it kind of works its way into our life, the way that it produces fruit through our life, and just kind of that topic. Faith is an interesting thing because really, our faith is something that like a tree that gets the right amount of water and sunlight and attention that it should grow. Our faith is something that should grow. I remember when I, in fact, let me share Second Thessalonians chapter 1. We always, we ought always give thanks to the Lord for you brothers as is right because your faith is growing abundantly and the love of every one of you for another is increasing. Therefore, we ourselves boast about you in the churches. This was Paul. We boast about you in the churches of God for your steadfastness and faith in all your persecutions and in the afflictions that you're enduring. We learn throughout the New Testament that people of faith will endure afflictions and testing of different kinds. And therefore, it is critical that our faith would grow and be abundant in order to endure such afflictions. And it's interesting in the scripture that it says the love of every one of you is increasing. I believe that as our faith increases, our love for fellow man should increase as well. Have you ever struggled with not liking folks? Are, are there people around you that you don't like very well? People you work with, neighbors? Maybe sometimes yourself. Maybe sometimes you don't like yourself very well. I believe as faith grows in your heart and in your life, that your love will also grow. The, uh, I kind of was thinking about it while I was driving down the road that it's almost like this kind of three-step process. And I, had I had time, I might have produced a nice little PowerPoint for you guys to show you this. But basically, when you look at John chapter 4 and the example of the woman at the well, I believe you will see that faith kind of works its way into your heart. And then it kind of begins to work on you and in you. And then faith begins to work its way through you. The more that faith grows in you, you can't help but have faith be something that begins to be produce fruit outside of your own life. And I think faith produces a lot of things. I had a short list here. Faith produces belief, repentance, hope, action, love, direction, obedience, healing, righteousness, salvation, faith, if given way to grow in your life and in your heart, will produce a lot of good things. So let's, let's go for a minute to John chapter 4 and talk about the Samaritan woman. I have a lot of scripture I want to... I'm going to pray before we get into this because really, this, as I've just put together notes for this 
over the last month or so. It turns out uh, six pages later, I kind of have my notes on this topic of faith in our lives. I'm not going to pretend to share all of it with you today. So I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to help me share what he would have me to share with you today out of this teaching. Lord, thank you for being here with us today. Thank you for everyone who had the faith, who had a measure of belief to want to come into your house and gather today to worship and praise your name. Because without faith, that wouldn't have happened. Lord, I pray that your word would work its way through our hearts today and produce faith and grow faith so that we could say about ourselves and about those in this congregation that our faith is growing abundantly. If there's anyone today that is distracted by things that weigh down their heart, distracted by thoughts other than you, distracted by anything, I pray, Father God, that you would help those things just to be removed for the next half hour or so so that they could fully receive and I could fully receive because I admit every time I preach your word I get to receive more from you so that they could fully receive what you have for them today on this topic of faith. In Jesus' name, amen. So, Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was making and baptizing more disciples than John. Although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee, and he had to pass through Samaria. And it's interesting, we learn in this passage of Scripture that Christ really wasn't intending to reach the Samarians. It really wasn't his intention. It wasn't his it wasn't his goal at that time to go and reach the Sumerians. But we learn that because he chose to take this brief interlude, share the truth with this woman, we learn later in this passage of Scripture that many Sumerians were reached because of that act of faith and that act of obedience. Christ himself obeyed the Father, just like we are to obey Christ. So I'm going to kind of paraphrase some of this because I have a lot of scripture to share. Verse 7 says, A woman from Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone into the city to buy food. They were working. They'd been out doing the work of the ministry, and they'd gone in town to get some food. Christ sat there to rest and get a drink of water. In verse 10, Jesus said, he answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is, she questioned why you would ask her that. Why would you ask a Samaritan to get you a drink? Aren't we kind of the untouchables? Do we ever have that happen in the church where there are people who we consider sort of untouchable and people we don't want to reach out to? Either because what's going on in their life is so undesirable or so difficult or it's going to take so much of our time. Or Have you ever done that? Have you ever, I can remember one time when I owned the hotel, reaching out to someone who had an alcohol addiction. And really, that week it consumed almost 30 hours of my time just reaching out to that one person. And it can be that way in the ministry. The ministry can be daunting. It can wear you out as you go about serving the Lord. Jesus said, whoever drinks the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up into eternal life. Have you had that privilege to do that? Have you had that privilege to go about your day carrying that living water and you find somebody whose cup is empty and you pour it in there? Have you had the chance to do that lately? 
It is a glorious thing to know that you're carrying around this water, this knowledge of the truth, and by the way, it has no end. So you don't have to worry about being stingy with your living water. If there's 10 people, you can just keep on pouring it out. You're not going to run out of living water. So imagine yourself being in the desert and there's all these people around you dying of thirst and you get the privilege to run around and give them more to drink, more to drink, more to drink and you know you're not going to run out of water. That would be somewhat motivating, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that give you a sense of urgency to go about giving water to thirsty people? Knowing that you have this living water and that it produces eternal life and that every cup you pour just a little bit into may not produce immediate fruit but that little seed might take life as you know for many you know salvation is a process many hear that that gospel of Christ they become introduced let's get to the meat of this passage of scripture and then I'll kind of come back let's get to the good stuff so, she asked Christ, where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself. Jesus said, everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. Are there things in your life that you just keep on taking from and taking from and taking from, and you notice they just simply don't stop your thirst? And you keep going back to it. Like it's the answer. You keep on going back to it. Oh, but only if I, if I get this promotion, work will be more fulfilling. If I go hang out at the gym a little bit more, I'll lose my belly and I'll get in better shape. And it will, I'll just be so much more fulfilled. If I go do more adventures, life will be more exciting. And it will just feel so good. Is there something in your life that you keep drinking from that for whatever reason it just doesn't quite satisfy your thirst? Peter said, we gave up everything to follow you. Here Jesus is ministering to this Samaritan woman and the disciples even come up and try to distract him. You need to eat. You need to eat. We went and got you this food. Now leave this old Samaritan woman alone. Come over here and sit down and have a bite to eat. You need to eat. He's like, yo, leave me alone. I'm doing the work of the Father. My food is to do the will of the Father. That can happen sometimes when you're in the ministry. You can be trying and trying and trying to do the will of the Father and become distracted even by things that might things or others that might seem well-meaning. Sometimes the service of the Lord simply in the eyes of this world do not make sense. Sometimes those numbers they just don't seem to add up. But trust me, there is no better employer than the Lord. There is no better master than the Lord. There is no one better to serve than the Lord. And there's no one who's going to satisfy that thirst and that hunger that you have in your heart except for Jesus. None. And as you go through life, you kind of wrestle with that, don't you? And doesn't that wrestling match cause you not to grow in your faith? Really? Think about it. Doesn't that want for more of whatever it is cause you to somewhat be distracted from what Christ has called you to? And if I have a little secret to share with you if you're in this room today. The Lord loves you. The Lord desires that you would not perish. And the Lord has a call for your life. You are uniquely and wonderfully made, says the Bible. God might use people to beat you down. 
God might use circumstances in life to get you down. But don't lose sight of that. That your life, as the word says, can be hidden in Christ. So, the woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming. So when Christ met her, she had some measure of faith. She knew the Messiah was coming. She just didn't know she met the Messiah, like many other Jews of that time and many other people of the world today. Many deny Christ. Many don't recognize that he is the Messiah. It's one of the reasons we have so many problems in this world. It's the main reason we have so many problems in this world. And if you don't recognize him as the Messiah, it's the main reason you have so many problems in your life. Or, perhaps you do recognize him as the Messiah, but you're not fully rendered unto him. You don't fully give your life unto him. And that's why you kind of continue to walk this up and down struggle, this wrestling match of your will versus God's will. Your will versus God's will. Your desires versus his desires. It's a wrestling match. I feel like that it should be this, this hike up the mountain. But instead, we catch ourselves kind of like down in the Ozarks where it's up the hill, down the hill, up the hill, down the hill. But really, our faith can and should increase as we go through life. Pass through pass through pass. And as it does, it, again, it produces belief, repentance, hope, action, love, direction, obedience, healing, righteousness, salvation, joy, peace, more patience for others. This is really cool about this passage of Scripture. The woman left. Okay, so, so Jesus says, go and get your husband. She says, well, I don't have a husband. He says, you're right, you've actually had five husbands. What did he do to her right then? He revealed her sin. And he also revealed to her that he knew her sin and that he was Christ. You must be a prophet. I'm the Messiah, he says. So what does she do? The disciples kind of show up and really kind of run her off. What are you doing hanging out with this Samaritan woman? Come over here and eat. So she goes back to town. But guess what she does? So she takes this little measure of belief now that she has, and she goes to share it with others. It says... The woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you don't know about. So the disciples said to one another, Has someone else brought him some food? And Jesus said, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and accomplish his work. We learn then, if we skip forward to verse 39, many Samaritans from that town. And it tells us specifically Samaritans, the untouchable, the unreachable. It didn't just say many people. It said many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there for two days. And many more believed because of his word. See, first they believed because of her word, then they believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because what you said that we believe, but we have heard for ourselves, and we know this is indeed the Savior of the world. You see, she shared... And so that, that sparked their interest and they gather up close to Christ and then they get to know him for themselves. That's how it works. She starts sharing. Then they get to know Christ themselves. And when they do that, then he starts kind of working on them and cleaning out their hearts and their minds. And then that's how that process works. You go from Christ being in your head and in your heart and he's working on you if you will and then all of a sudden he starts working through you 
And if you are there today, but you want more, or maybe you're not there and you want to be there, maybe you really want to see Christ beginning to work through you. We learn in the scripture that it's critical to hear the word for yourself, not just through others. It's critical to have faith for yourself. Like Brady's faith, as a pastor of this church, his faith can kind of carry you so far. But you have to have faith for yourself. And anybody there under 18, anybody still living at home, your parents' faith is only going to get you so far. You have to take up your cross and begin to have your own faith and walk that out. And then see what the Lord does. You will come to crisis. You'll come to these moments where you're like, I don't know what my life is about. I don't know what my future is about. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Well, really what that's telling you is look at yourself in the mirror. And what you need to realize is you need to draw closer to God. Really. If you are in that place, if you are in that place, young or old, and you're just really stressed about your future or what it looks like or what am I supposed to do and you're just wrestling and wrestling and wrestling, draw close to the Lord. Get in his word, believe in him, trust him, follow him, give everything you have to him, metaphorically and maybe not so metaphorically. Maybe you got a car the Lord's gonna call you to give to somebody else. Maybe you have other things the Lord's gonna, I don't know. Mostly I'd say it's your time. Mostly the thing we struggle with in our culture is our time. We get life so backwards. There are a lot of people who are of the faith, but the weekends roll around and it's all about what can I do to entertain myself. And really that's not what the life, I mean, we should enjoy this life. But if you constantly find yourself saying, well, what am I going to plan for today? What's, what's on the agenda today? What... What can we do to find self-fulfillment and self-pleasure today versus, Lord, what do you have for me today? Lord, how can I, how can my life be used in your service to bless and benefit others? When you begin to question, when you begin to ask yourself that question, it's amazing how he will begin to use you. A month ago, a man in this community whom you all know but I'll let him remain anonymous because he's a humble man but he was supposed to go to Mexico on a trip he had exchanged some dollars into pesos about a hundred bucks and then he didn't go so he had all these pesos and he knows that I go there on business he said Brady would you want to buy these pesos from me you can use them down there for your business I said well it doesn't quite work like that because I put it on my company credit card I charge pesos on my card, and that's how I get my cash down there. However, I also do the work of the ministry down there, and I'll just write you a check for my ministry for $100, and you give me the pesos, I'll use them. And he says, well, if you're going to use it for the service of the Lord, I'm just going to give it to you. I said, you sure? He said, yep. So he gives me 100 bucks. A couple weeks ago, I was in Mexico City. I had wor- when I go there, I work late a lot of times, long days, 14, 16, 18-hour days. One night I got done fairly early. I was back to the hotel around 7 o'clock. Kind of got myself ready. And later, as it got dark, I said, okay, I'm going to go out and take a walk. And I'll put some of this money in my pocket and grab a few Bibles and see what the Lord has for me. And somewhat late in the hour, I don't know, around 10.30 something, this young man came up to me and asked me for some money for he and his sister. I said, where's your sister? And he points over here. She's young, 14. 15 year old girl and he's 17 and I said well tell me your story so we spent three hours together that night and their both their parents had died in an accident about a year before they were living with their aunt and uncle who were alcoholics and it was just a really bad situation so they took everything they owned and they just left the house about a month before and so they were living on the streets in Mexico City 17 year old and 15 year old and by that time they had no things because they'd gotten stolen so they didn't even have a bag or anything and I happened to have about 40 or 50 bucks of that money he'd given me and so I shared it with them and told them where it came from and then we just kind of spent some time working on a game plan for them and talking about Jesus and they said 
we're not Catholics, but we are believers. We believe that Jesus is the Lord. And so we kind of start filtering our way through this and just talking about faith and praying together. And we just had a good time together that night and they got blessed in the Lord. But do you all think it was an accident that just a few weeks before this generous man came up and gave me this money and said, I want you to use this for the work of the Lord. And then a couple weeks later, I'm on the streets and I meet this young, I mean, 50 bucks down there, that would have been a couple weeks worth of earnings for this young man. That was a big deal for them. That was a lot of money. Normally, I'll give out five or 10 pesos and Bible and I'll pray, share the gospel and I'll go on to other people that way. This guy got 700 pesos. So it was a big deal. But none of that was accident. None of that was an accident. It was purposed by the Lord. I fully believe that. What is faith? There's some really good passages. I want to encourage you to write these down. John chapter 4, Hebrews chapter 11, Acts chapter 3, Matthew chapter 17, Romans chapter 10. All those are good studies on faith. Hebrews 11 says that faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. So if you have faith, you have this assurance, you have this conviction. And people around you, they just don't get that if they're not of the faith. And, but people can have assurances and convictions in a lot of things. People can put their faith in a lot of things, can't they? I'm asking you a rhetorical question, but what is your... What is your assurance and what is your conviction today? What are they? By faith, we know that Abel offered an acceptable sacrifice. We know that Enoch didn't, didn't see death. He didn't see physical death. By faith... We learned that Noah saved his entire household. By faith, Abraham obeyed. He was told to go out. Maybe the Lord's asking you to go out. Maybe the Lord is asking you, like Noah, to build something. Maybe the Lord is asking you to sacrifice. I don't know. That's between you and the Holy Spirit. What is the Lord asking of you as your act of faith. In Romans 10, we learn that Moses talked about righteousness based on the law. And we know that through Christ, we can have righteousness based on faith. We can be made right, reconciled to God by having faith in Christ. We know that faith is something we must confess with our mouth to others. It clearly says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Faith that has true belief in your heart is going to be faith that confesses Christ. If you don't confess Christ with your mouth, you need to start doing that. You need to confess Christ as your Savior. Confess Him to others. Confess. Confess with your mouth. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. How are they to hear If someone hasn't shared the word. I'm paraphrasing. It says preach. But since that word's scary to a lot of people. Somebody asked me the other day if I still preach. And they, I knew what they meant. They meant do I preach in a pulpit or do I preach in churches. I said I preach every day. I preach all the time. Really? Where? And I said wherever. Sometimes I preach to one. Sometimes I preach to ten. Sometimes I get the privilege to preach to a couple hundred. You still, you can have that same privilege. You can have that same calling. 
you can have that same opportunity to share Christ with others. Acts chapter 3 is another one of Brady's and my favorite scriptures. Peter and John were going to the temple at the hour of prayer. And a man lame from birth was being carried whom they laid daily at the gate. He saw Peter and John about to go in and he asked them to receive alms. He asked them to receive money. Peter looked at him and said, look at us. And as he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something, Peter said, I do not have silver or gold, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk. And the man rose up and walked, and he went about leaping, jumping and leaping and praising God. That is what faith can produce in us. That man met Christ that day, and it produced such faith when he was healed that he went about walking and leaping and praising God. Many were filled with wonder and amazement. In Matthew 17, Jesus healed a boy with a demon. When they came to the crowd and a man came up to him and kneeling before him, he said, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he's had seizures and he suffers terribly. Often he falls into the fire and in the water. And I brought him to your disciples and they could not heal him. And Jesus said, O faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demons. It came out of him, and the boy was healed instantly. The boy was healed instantly, but I want to remind you also the boy was healed temporarily. Because that flesh that he was carrying around that day was still going to die. Sometimes the Lord chooses to heal instantly and temporarily. And sometimes he chooses to heal permanently. When he heals permanently, you're given a new body. A body that doesn't have pain or suffering. You're given a new body in a new place. You get ushered into this wonderful place called heaven where you're in the presence of the Lord. Jesus said, if we skip to uh, John 14, one of my favorite passages of scripture in the entire Bible, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe in me, and in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, what I've told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go prepare a place for you, I will come again, and I will take you to myself. Now I want to see a show of hands. How many of you in this room believe that Jesus has a place prepared for you? I know I'm being bold here, and I don't mean to embarrass anybody. But I'm asking you to make somewhat of a proclamation of your faith right now just by lifting up your hands and praising the Lord. Jesus has a place prepared for you. Jesus has a place. There's a room, so to speak, in heaven. There's a book in heaven called the Lamb's Book of Life, and it's got your name written on it. If you love the Lord, have repented of your sins, and are trying as best you can to walk with him. I want to say a few trustworthy statements about faith. Okay? There's a lot the Bible says about faith. Some of those topics are controversial. But I want to share with you a few trustworthy statements about faith. You can take them to the bank. You can write them on the tablet of your heart. You can meditate on them day and night. And you can let them have their way and work their way through your life. Amen? So here's a few trustworthy statements about faith. James 2.17 Real faith, saving faith, produces action. If you have faith, if you have real faith, if you have saving faith, there's going to be some kind of action produced in your life on account of that faith. Faith by itself, if it does not have works, it is dead the Bible says. 
Lift up your hands right now, please. And I just want you to say, Lord, give me the faith that has action. Here's some more. Faith comes from hearing the word of God. If your faith right now is small, if you just got this little flame going on, which is awesome, I'm so happy for you. But if you want to fan that flame, just like you're building the campfire, throw some sticks on it. Throw some more wood on there and keep fanning that flame. And all of a sudden, you're going to have this fire that's burning bright. And not only you won't be walking in darkness over on the edge, but you will rescue others who are walking around in darkness and can't see where they're going. So, a trustworthy statement. Read your Bible. It produces faith. Come hear the pastor preach. It produces faith. Turn on the radio and hear a good message from a godly preacher. It produces faith. Meditate on the scripture day and night. Bind it around the tablet of your heart. It produces faith. Faith and faithfulness is a choice. There's another trustworthy statement about faith. It says in Psalm 119.30, I have chosen the way of faithfulness. Faithfulness and having faith are a choice. And I would argue that it is a daily choice based off of my own record. Because there are some days I choose not to be faithful and I don't see a lot of fruit and I don't have a lot of good adventures in faith and I start sinning too much. It's just the truth. You ever go there? Be watchful and stand firm in the faith. Act like men and women and be strong. Stand firm in your faith. That's 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Let all that you do be done in love. Now that I, Paul was saying this, urge you brothers you know that the household of Stephanus were the first converts in Achaia and they have devoted themselves to the service of the faints be subject to these what does that mean be subject to those devoted to the work of the saints well I think just a good practical way of looking at that is if there are people around you who are really devoted to serving God follow them and follow their example and follow their advice whether that's your pastor or your brother or your sister or your neighbor, your husband, your wife, your dad, your mom, your child. Matthew 25, 21 teaches us that if we're faithful with a little, God will set us over much. That's another trustworthy statement about faith. Master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. It produces joy in the Lord when he sees our faith and he sees our faithfulness. It gives him, it gives our father joy. Isn't that cool? To know that your Father in heaven is pleased with your faithfulness, however big or small. Second Timothy 4.11 Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example. And I don't think that just means age. I think that means youth in Christ. Maybe you were born for the second time just in the last few months or just a year or two ago. You, young in the faith, or young on this earth, 
you can set an example for others to follow and you can be used no matter what age you are you can be used no matter what age you are in the Lord I remember Luke ministering to his mom when he was five with the scripture fear not for I'm with thee I remember Alex sitting in the living room talking to Jesus to one of the neighbor girls when he was four years old they were playing with some trucks on the floor and I walked in the house and I heard him say to this young girl don't you know who Jesus is and he starts to tell her about Jesus doesn't matter how old you are Emma and Liza God's using you God has big plans for you you can minister to people much older than you because of the truth and the love and the wisdom that he's put in your heart from his scriptures that many don't have or know no matter where you are no matter where you go you always have something you can give to others if you're giving out living water from Jesus no matter where you're at isn't it a awesome thing to know that our lives can be of good use to the creator of the universe and the heavens and all that there is isn't that somewhat fulfilling doesn't that give you joy to know that your life does have a divine purpose not just that you're going to live out a few years on this earth. Listen, the Bible says that life on this earth is like a sigh and then it's over. It is brief. When compared to eternity, it is especially, it's nothing. Many people are derailed from their faith because they take their eyes off of Christ. That's another statement you can take to the bank. Psalm 119, turn my eyes from looking at worthless things. You ever put your eyes on worthless things? You ever chase after worthless things? You ever spend too much time thinking about worthless things? Boy, doesn't that just rob you of your joy and your peace? Hebrews tells us that look to Jesus. He is the founder and the perfecter of our faith. So if you want your faith to be in the process of perfection, simply look to Jesus, follow Jesus, read his word, study his example, and do what he did. In the end of my favorite, one of my favorite chapters, it says, Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I do, and greater works than these he will do. Do you believe that scripture? Do you believe it at least just a little bit? You may not believe it. I, I don't know if I believe it as much as I should. I know I don't. But I believe it quite a bit. I have faith in what that word says. Do you want to have more faith in what that word says? If you do, lift your hands because I want to pray for you. If you want to do the works that Christ did, bow your head, lift your hands, just make some sort of motion just between me and you and the Holy Spirit that you want that. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters. I pray that greater works they would do in your name. I pray that they would be filled by your presence, empowered by your Holy Spirit, and walk in faith, in faithfulness, and do mighty things in your name. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm done with that prayer, but I'm not quite done with the sermon. Give me just another minute or two. I'm about to wrap up. Matthew 24 reminds us to see that no one leads you astray. It says nation will rise up against nation. Don't we see that today? There's more, there's more turmoil in the Middle East than there's ever been. Korea was shooting off missiles. Just the, South Korea was shooting off missiles at some Chinese airplanes just the other day. Russia's over there doing little USSR stuff again. We got our own things going on. Nation is rising up against nation. Is your faith placed in this election coming up in a few days? Is your faith placed in whoever is going to be the new leader of the free world as I chuckle? My faith is in the Father. My faith is in Christ. 
My confidence and my hope is not in this election coming up. That's why I win or lose. I mean, I'll, I may be disappointed. I've been disappointed kind of either way. But my faith is in Christ. My hope is in Christ. My direction comes from him. The provision and protection for my household comes from him. Let not your hearts be troubled. Don't be led astray. It says in the end times, many will fall away. Do you know people of the faith who don't go to church anymore? Do you know people of the faith who simply don't read their Bibles anymore? Do you know people of the faith getting divorced? Do you know people of the faith who simply have walked away from their faith? It happens. It happens. Endure to the end and be saved, it says in Matthew 24. The gospel of the kingdom, here's our mission statement, and really, here's kind of the mission statement of the book of Acts, and really, it says the gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world. Mark 10, 24 says, who can be saved? And the disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said to them, children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of heaven. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man it is impossible, but not with God. For all things are possible with God. Peter began saying to him, See, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, truly I, truly, I say to you, there's no one who's left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold. I think that you should be careful how you interpret that scripture. What I believe Christ is saying is me first. Any other priority in your life must fall into place with the worldview that I'm your God I've called you to obey me, I've called you to follow me, and I've called you to put all things underneath my feet. Second Timothy 2.19 says, The Lord knows those who are his. Let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Now in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but wood and clay, some honorable and some dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy. God is calling you, church, to be set apart. Ready for every good work. Flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the name of the Lord from a pure heart. Have nothing to do with foolish and ignorant controversies. You know they breed quarrels. You ever get caught up in any of those? Man, I hate it when that happens, especially as an evangelist. Truly. I hate it when that happens. It happens to me, though. But I hate it when I get caught up in a foolish controversy and lose sight of what I'm really called for. The Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil. I got a feeling we're going to have to be patiently enduring some evil in the days to follow. Correcting his opponents with gentleness. So as we see all this turmoil going on in the next month or two, correct people, but do it with gentleness and love. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses. Get that? They may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. This world... And this country and many around are doing the will 
not of the Father, but of the devil. And they don't even know it because they act in ignorance. They're blissfully blind and therefore unaware that that is whom they serve. But that is who they serve. You either serve Christ or you don't. You either believe in Christ or you don't. We need for the unrepentant in this nation to come to their senses. Elections won't solve this. Only Christ will solve this. I would urge you, my brothers and sisters, and I didn't mean to close about this election because this clearly don't mistake that this sermon was about the election. It was not. It just happened to be timely before that. I actually thought I was going to preach this sermon on the 20th. That's when Braid gave me my spot. If you're in this room today and you've never come to your senses, if you're in this room today and you have never surrendered your life to Jesus, I want to ask everybody to bow their head and close their eyes. I normally don't do this this way, but for the sake of time, I will today. If you're in this room today, everybody please close your eyes. I want to give everybody in this room a sense of privacy just between them and the Lord and, and, and the preacher today. If you've never come to your senses, if you've never repented, if you have never given your life to Jesus fully, like Peter said, I've really kind of left everything, Jesus. You're it. You own my life. If you've never really given Christ true ownership of your life, I want you to raise your hand today, please. Answer this call quickly because you never know when it may be your last chance. Then I'm going to ask a second question. If you are of the faith, if you're a person of faith, but you want to see that faith grow, as we shared in the beginning, you really, you don't want to be in the same place next year that you are today. You want God to be working in you and through you and touching the lives of people around you. I want you to raise your hand. By the way, I'm raising mine. <laughs> the preacher's raising his hand on this altar call. Jesus, thank you for my brothers and sisters who are lifting up their hands and really lifting up their hearts to you today and just saying, Lord, I want more of you. I need more of you. I want to be used by you. I want my faith to grow more and more every day. I pray, Lord, that that would happen. I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would fan the flame of faith in their hearts and that in doing so, they would have peace and joy and direction and obedience and action and hope. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.